0: Positive rotation. Ignition. Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison, the Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Coming up on the podcast, our guest tells us how her persistence moved her from LRS into the boom seat. It's going to snow next week. It looks like it's going to snow. Who knows how much, but in case of inclement weather, which he was my favorite Pope, inclement, you can call the uh, Scott Air Force Base information hotline, 618-256-7232, or check the Scott Air Force Base uh, page or the 126th Air Refueling Wing page. Coming up, our guest talks about flying while pregnant. Also, this week's look around the Air Force, they are growing rubber. The Air Force is growing rubber. More on that coming up.
1: Hi, my name's Senior Airman Gregory Goder. I'm uh, part of the 126 Comptroller flight and uh, I'm a financial manager here. My day-to-day job um, would be, I'm an accounting technician basically. So I'm in charge of all the squadron's uh, purchases make sure they uh, hit the most correctly. What well, I like most about being in the 126 is I'm an AGR out here, so I work out here full time. Um, with that, I get a bunch of opportunities. Um, traveling is probably my favorite opportunity. Um, I've been to a bunch of cool places like um, Washington State, which was the first time I've ever been there. Um, I also play on the base softball team, um, so I get to travel with them quite a bit as well. I joined the Air National Guard because after college, um, I had a couple jobs I didn't really like. I want to have an impactful career and make a difference on my community. I chose the 126 um, because I could pretty much stay around all my friends and family and still be part of their National Guard. I joined the Comptroller flight um, because my bachelor's in business management um, and it kind of just fell hand-in-hand hand with uh, working with finances. But one huge benefit I've been taking advantage of is uh My full-time employment as an AGR, Um, as an AGR, I get active duty pay, benefits, and everything that goes along with being active duty. But I get to stay home.
0: I'm joined in the studio. I'm not really sure why by Master Sergeant Ashley uh, Bradford. So. you, uh, why are you here? Because you just wanted to be here. I do. I love
2: podcasts. I love listening to them. Um, I love talking about being a boom. So, why the heck not? Yeah. She's uh,
0: <laughs> over here from the 108th Air Refueling Squadron. Uh, yeah. She came to us. Uh, uh we were doing her portrait for Airman of the Year. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, I want to be on the podcast. And I'm like, When can you be here? Hey, I'm all about the follow through. <laughs> Show up. I appreciate you coming in. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No problems. So, you're, you're at the the 108th uh, Air Refueling Squadron. You're a boom. Yes, yes, I am. And, and you, you seem to really enjoy uh, being a boom. Oh, you have
2: no idea. There's nothing better than opening that window back there and seeing another plane.
0: Every time I see you on the plane or you you know uh, near the plane, you seem to be really enjoying. It's the
2: funnest job. There's a reason why everybody says it's the best enlisted job in the Air Force. So it's
0: second best. <laughs> public affairs. Only is only
2: first. second to public affairs I'm guessing. Yes.
0: I mean I, I would like to do yeah, to, the ability to fly is pretty cool.
2: Hey, I've got some mad respect for you guys. We every time we go on a flight with PA or anything, I'm always hitting them up for pictures cuz if there's anything a boom operator loves, it's a good picture.
0: Yes, you guys uh and then there are we have some great pictures.
2: Yeah, have you seen my Instagram lately?
0: <laughs> no, I have not. I'll have to check that out.
2: Yeah, we got to do a really cool incentive flight with uh, the A-10 spouses down at Whiteman Air Force Base. Oh, yeah. And so it was like, uh, I think I ended up getting a picture of an eight eight ship formation behind the tanker, but I think there ended up being 10 overall. So it was kind of a, it was a once in a lifetime photo. It was really awesome to be a part
0: of. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How, how was the, so what was that trip? That was just last week. You went yeah, on it
2: was really just an out and back. So we left here, we went to Whiteman, we picked up their spouses and then we went out to the, the MOA that's out there with it, the, which is basically just like an airspace out there. And then it was us and we were in formation with another 135 from here. And then basically all the fighters came up and their spouses got to be down in the boom pod while each
0: individual
2: was coming up and refueling with us. So it was oh, a really cool opportunity. That is
0: so cool. And that was with the A-10s. They're in Missouri. They're yeah, they're at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. We were both perple- uh, My boss and I were perplexed like I didn't know there was A-10s out there.
2: Oh, yeah. We've actually done quite a bit of work with them. So uh, it was awesome. They, I think they had reached out to us about doing this, and we were all about it. And it ended up being just an awesome, awesome day, a great opportunity. I took one of my students out with me, um, and then we had another boom operator with us as well. So um, we had an awesome crew, and it was a lot of fun. How,
0: how long have you been in the uh, Air Force?
2: Oh, wow. Uh, so I joined in 2004. I went to Edwardsville High School. Oh, okay. And I was about a minute away from signing paperwork with the Army National Guard, but I had a friend whose dad worked for the Air Force. I believe he worked for the Guard here at the time, and there was a recruiter that used to work here that he was good friends with. And so he was like, "I think you guys should talk to the Air National Guard and um I went and talked to them they were awesome and uh I was looking for a career field at the time that had a little bit shorter of a tech school right and that's how I wound up in supply
0: oh so you started out in supply
2: yeah I was in logistics for the first 11 almost 11 years of my career Wow. What made you uh, want to change to become a boom? Uh, it's probably going to sound super corny, but um, I just watched them go out and take off every single day. And I was like, that looks like a really cool job to do. And so in 2014, I, I might even 2013, I started asking about being a boom. And at the time they were full up, weren't really hiring. And um, this is where I always tell people the power of perseverance will get you because I feel like I stayed like a, a very annoying enough thorn in Chief Garros's side at the time that I would pop over every few months and be like, you hiring yet? <laughs> and the answer was always no. Well, then around 2014, there was just for whatever reason, through retirements and transfers, like everybody left all at the same time. And so I remember I was working one day at my desk, minding my business, and Chief Garros called me and he was like, congratulations, you still want to be a boom? And I was like, uh, uh, yeah. And he was like, okay, go get your medical done. You're hired.
0: (laughs) Wow. That is awesome. That is fantastic. Yeah. So I think he got
2: tired of me asking, so you might as well give in. (laughs) Uh,
0: So what was that process like, um, just, uh, going through boom school and, 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 and becoming a boom? So did you, you didn't have to do a board then?
2: No, not necessarily, but honestly, I think just because of the very nature that I had been kind of, In their chili for about two years at that point, looking for a job, and I would come over and sit over and talk to Chief Garros, and I I was friends with some of the booms at that time, so I think they had a good general feel for who I was, and I was really lucky that uh, the leadership that I had in LRS at the time gave me a really good recommendation. So um, the process for me, I think, was a a little bit more stressful, and I say that because I was a full time technician when I was in LRS and had been since like 2006, so me going to, um, ops was stressful because I had to give up a full-time job in order to do that. So there was like a ton of security that like, which if you know me, I'm not somebody that likes change very often. So to make a massive change like that and for it to, you know, for me to give up a job and all that kind of stuff was a big deal. So I put a ton of pressure on myself in school that like I had to make this work, but, um, You know, if you drill down and do what you're supposed to do and study what you're supposed to do, they make it pretty, pretty easy to
0: get through. What did you do leading up to it becoming a boom? How did, what did you do to prepare yourself?
2: Uh, probably freak out a few times from that time. But I really remember, I honestly, they kind of tell you, you know, I had gone over um one of the senior booms over there, John Reed. He'd actually taken me over. We have a BAUST here, which is like a boom operator simulator. Oh, cool. And so he took me over into the BAUST a few times and kind of explained the general mechanics and all that kind of stuff. But really, there's just not a lot that can prepare you for actually just going to school and getting into it and doing it. And it's very overwhelming. It's a ton of information. They throw at you all at once and you're studying and you're like, you know, 80 pages of information that you're taking a huge test on the very next day, which I'm sure a lot of tech schools are like. So the first, uh, I think, month was at Lackland and that's like your air crew fundamentals Mm -hmm. and then basic boom operator school and then, or your basic boom operator course. And then from there, you move on to, uh, you either go to Seer school, which that's a whole other thing, survival <laughs> school, or you started at Altus, which is where they like basically teach you the ins and outs of becoming a boom operator. Wow. So you are, you're a boom operator. How are you full-time now? I am. Yeah. I actually, so when I came on board, I think I, I got back in 15. Yeah. I got back in 15 and uh, fall of 15. So I was just a traditional at that point, but I mean, there's so many trips and so many opportunities to go on that you can really kind of, we call it guard bumming. You can really kind of make if you want to, guard bumming a full-time investiture. And, and it was actually really nice. I stayed on the road a lot that first year. And you really hone your skill of what it actually means to be a boom because you can do a lot of different things. I think some people think being a boom operator is just going up and I do air refueling and that's it. And to be honest, there's so much more that goes into it. And that was one thing I really wasn't prepared for. You know, you're gonna be at any given time, you could be doing missions where there's absolutely no air refueling, but you're handling cargo uploads and passenger uploads and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think I really knew that going into it. So being on the road that first year, I got to go to some really awesome places like Germany and Hawaii and Guam and see all these beautiful places, but then also really learn what it meant to be a boom operator and to be part of a crew too. That's really the biggest thing is not only learning to be a boom operator, but learning how to be part of this crew mentality
0: what yeah what does that uh you say a crew what does that entail i mean what do you what do you, what did you learn about being in a in a crew because it does seem like i mean I guess I do hear you know communications between the the three of you at least but yeah what more what all goes into that
2: so typically for the one thirty five you're gonna have more often than not a three person crew now if you're taking passengers or whatever you may you may have an additional fourth person crew on there but as a boom operator, it's learning how to Um, express yourself um, and be taken seriously, but in that mentality that you're with two officers. So the idea is that when you walk into the onto the airplane you three are all essentially equal now you do have an aircraft commander that is ultimately in charge of the crew but i think for me coming from 10 years in the air force and you know the rest of the air force is a little bit different than ops i think everybody knows that so it's just i think finding my own way of fitting into ops and i'm so lucky we have awesome pilots over there that took me under their wing and kind of showed me what it is to be part of that
0: you're you're full-time now here as a boom what what all do you do on the ground?
2: Uh, So, I actually work in the training shop over there, so air crew training. So, my job is to essentially make sure that everybody is current and qualified at any given time. Um, I think the one thing that's kind of a misnomer sometimes is, like, just because... You know, especially as an air crew member, it's more of a full time, part time job. And by that, I mean, you're required to maintain your currencies and be current at any time, even if you are only coming out to fly once or twice a month. And so where that really funnels through is the support agencies within ops that make sure that everybody is current at all times. And then also forecasting you know, when people are going to be coming due for things and making sure they have opportunities to get that accomplished.
0: What are, what are those types of things that you, you need to make sure your crew, the boomers need to get, so stay, stay up on from
2: like a boom operators perspective um, We're talking like cargo loads. So going out and actually practicing cargo loading on the aircraft out here. And that requires um, coordination between other agencies like LRS who can bring us out a K loader and something for us to actually load. Cause you can't really do a cargo load without any cargo but also we're required to do SIMS. So what we call our bouse and basically that's a great opportunity for us to get in and actually practice emergency procedures that maybe we wouldn't necessarily see in the aircraft. So if we do ever encounter them on the aircraft, we already have, you know, we've seen it before and it's like muscle memory, how to work those emergencies.
0: We bounce around here a lot because I can't keep everything straight in my brain. (laughs) Um, So you just you just had a, a child. I did. Yeah, she's a year old. So congratulations! Thank you. So you, very you had much. a child about a year ago. Yes. What is the challenge of being a boomer while pregnant? What is the? Uh, I just saw some changes, maybe coming to the mm-hmm. whole uh, pregnancy and and uh, air crew and.
2: Yeah, so I I believe every command has a little bit different rules, just like different airframes have different mm-hmm. rules. Um, I you know obviously with a boom operator. You're lying on your belly. Yeah. So that can be a little bit challenging. I, per, I believe our regs, am allowed to fly until I was uh, six months pregnant. Your third trimester, I couldn't fly anymore. And I'll be honest, right about when I was starting to hit my third trimester, the whole laying on the stomach thing, I was like, and my, my OB had said, look you know, your own limitations, you know, your body, your body will tell you when you're uncomfortable and to stop doing something. So if it hurts, don't do it. And so I feel like right up until I was about five, five and a half months pregnant that I was like, okay, this isn't bad. And then all of a sudden I was like, yep, I'm done. (laughs) So, um, but you know, I have awesome leadership over there and they kind of like, I think volleyed the ball to me and we're like look whatever you're comfortable with whatever you want to do like we're we're thrilled if you don't want to do it no worries like you decide what's best for you what challenges did you have? Any challenges uh, uh, being pregnant? Not being able to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, you're trying to move around and do stuff and bend over and like tie things down. And like all of a sudden there's like a bowling ball in front of you and you're like, I can't breathe the same. I also, it wasn't until later in my pregnancy, I found out I was suffering from something called hyperemesis. Mm-hmm. So uh, not to be entirely graphic, but we'll just say I was sick Okay. a lot, Oh. a lot more than usual probably. And so what was supposed to be just what I thought was like a little bit more severe morning sickness was turns out a little bit, something more serious than I thought. So next time, if I do end up having another child or, you know, if, if that becomes a thing, I probably won't fly throughout my pregnancy just because I'm at a greater risk for having that again. Mm. So
0: yeah, that's, that can be no fun. It's, especially yeah. if you're on a plane, you got
2: there. Um, yeah. Oh. yeah, no air sickness is not a, not a fun <laughs> thing. Plus, too, like even as a boom, you know, I may if even if I'm not flying, let's say if I do, you know, decide to have another child, even if I'm not flying for that given amount of time, there's still plenty to be done within the squadron, whether it be within the training shop, working with incoming pilots or incoming booms that will keep me more than busy.
0: How do you stay up on your proficiencies? Uh, is that something that they just kind of put on pause?
2: While you're pregnant? Yeah. 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 So I could do a little bit in the bowest. You can maintain some of your proficiencies in the bowest, but there's really, I mean, while it is an awesome tool that we have at our disposal, there's really nothing like actually being in the air and flying and given the amount of time that I would have to probably end up being down. Like I know this last time you have to go through a check ride every so often. So that's when, you know, our standards and evaluation section will come in and actually just evaluate you flying and making sure you're all in compliance. Um, during my pregnancy, this last time, the time that, I quit flying. Um, I was actually able to accomplish my check ride right before the end. Otherwise, my check ride would have expired, which really is not that cosmic. It just means that when you come back up, you're going to have to go through a recall program and they're going to reevaluate you. It sounds way worse than it is. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man. It's not. It's really just, you know, you're flying with an instructor once or twice and they're just making sure you're all good. And then you do an eval and you're back up and on your own again. Oh, good. Yeah. So
0: are check rides uh, nerve wracking? Of course they are. Oh, okay. I, I would imagine. <laughs> Guys, look, seeing, I mean, I've never been up on a check ride, but you guys seem so I, cool and calm when you guys are <laughs> uh, doing I, you your. Know, business. I, tell, I
2: tell myself too, I recently got promoted to evaluator. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even after being a boom for eight or nine years, you know, like they always tell you, if you're just doing your job, like it's no big deal. And that's the truth of it, you know, like they teach us about how to, you know, follow your checklist. And if you're just following your checklist, it's no big deal. But I feel like there's always just that thing that somebody's watching you, that there's sure. just this added amount of pressure. But um, we're all, I mean, we all know each other really well, and it's all
0: professional over there. So. Are you nervous when, you have, or when you're have when you doing like an orientation flight and people are watching? No.
2: You know, I don't know why I don't get nervous when people are watching. I think it's because I so enjoy doing the orientation flights right. like that because I genuinely love my job and I love talking about it to people and explaining what's going on to people. And people are always so grateful to, you know, like, hey, thanks for taking us up and doing this. And it's really a fun thing to be a part of. So um, I, I know I don't really get nervous when I'm doing those. It's like, it's only check rides for some reason. Well, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) And they,
0: and they don't know what you're, you know, they don't know what you're, or we don't know what you're doing
2: (laughs) laying down next to you. They're all still videoing you so that, you know, like you still, like, you know, I mean that that's always there, but I think I just am usually really jazzed up about doing that. So that's good. Yeah.
0: What was the, the reaction to, uh, to, uh, last week when you did that? For the A-10? Oh, for so the I actually
2: wasn't, I was doing more of the passenger handling side oh, of okay. things. So one of my coworkers, Nate Smart, he's awesome, Boom. Uh, he actually was down in the Boom Pod doing stuff. But um, it's hard too because, you know, you're trying to pay attention. Like, you're, you know, your focus is outside on the airplane that's, you know, only like, 20 something feet, 30 sure. feet away from yeah. you. Um, but people are like asking you questions. And so it's really hard to hear down there too. But he was like, you know, I know people are asking me questions, so I hope they didn't think I was ignoring them, but he's like, you can't hear anything. And, um, yeah, but everybody, as far as like when I saw them, when they came back up from the boom pod was just like overjoyed. And especially if they got to see their particular spouse actually. Oh yeah? That oh, was that's cool. Yeah. That was really cool. We had like four different flights. And so I, you know, when, we were up there and I was like, okay, we've got, I'm just going to give an example. I think we had rooster flight and we had a different flight. And so I was like, who's, who belongs to who here? So I know who to get in the boom pod at the right time. And yeah, it ended up going over really, really well.
0: Oh, that's really, that's really exciting. Yeah. It
2: was a really fun thing to be a part of.
0: So I was, I love doing that kind of stuff. Man, that it is an, it looks like an awesome job. I'm
2: super, I don't think I could have imagined even looking back well, like I said, in 2015, where I was going to go with it or what was going to become of it. I mean, if I look back at when I joined the Guard, I could have never imagined what was going to become
0: of my career. Yeah. What were you thinking when you joined? I mean, not in a negative way, but what was your, <laughs> I guess, your what goals? Were you thinking?
2: Yeah. What were you thinking? So if I'm being 100% honest, when I look back, I had two main reasons for joining. One of which was I wanted to travel. More specifically, I wanted to go to France. Ironic, because the year I joined, they closed Istra, and we couldn't oh, go to France man. anymore. But that's, you know, whatever.
0: She got Guile, Guile and, Kirtchen, and right? And, yeah, and
2: I did get to go there, which was awesome. But the second thing was that, you know, I have two sisters, one that's a little bit more closer to my age. And she knew what she wanted to do in high school like coming out of high school she wanted to be a nurse that was like her direction and I feel like my senior year was kind of like I have no idea what I want to do like I don't I'm going to have to pay for my college but I don't really want to pay for college because I don't know what I want to do and and That's kind of how I started looking at, well, at the time, the Army Guard, but I started looking at ways to help pay for my college because that was really going to be on me at that point. And so, but it's funny because on my board, I think they kind of asked me a question like that, similar. And I'm like, well, the reasons why I joined are not the reasons why I've stayed, you know, three, maybe four enlistments later. And that's because, you know, now I have such a passion for I mean, I do love being a part of this wing. It's awesome. It's been my home for 18 years now. But I mean, I feel like my friendships and the, you know, the people that I know here are family to me and have been some in some cases over a decade now. You know, it's a long time to know people from here. And plus,
0: I just I love flying. What were you going to do in the Army Guard?
2: Honestly, I have no idea.
0: You
2: don't even remember now? No. I'm sure I was going into something like infantry or something like that. Like, Lord only knows what they were going to have me do. (laughs) Um, Suffice it to say, I think I, for myself, uh, probably chose the much better option for me.
0: So what made you want to join the uh, Air National Guard, not maybe the Air Force?
2: Um, I didn't want to leave home. Okay. Honestly enough. Like I wanted to like, so I I really, I, I was very blessed in the fact that like I grew up with, you know, a childhood and I say sheltered and that sounds bad, but it's was sheltered in a good way. If that makes sense, yeah. you know, like my parents okay. did the best that they could to keep us Kids, and we all know in this day and age, like it's, that's a hard thing to do with you know technology and social media and all that kind of stuff. But I knew I wanted to travel, and so I think I was like looking at yeah. how I could find a way to support myself with education and with travel, but like have this tether that I came back home and kind of have this safety of still being at home. Like, I don't think I was ready at that point to just go off and do my own thing and be completely gone. And, you know, I'm super close to my family. They're my world, and I like
0: being close to them. What was it about the 126 that uh, made you want to join?
2: Honestly, I remember my my recruiter at the time, he was a guy by the name of PJ Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And he was, I just remember really liking him. He was a super easy Friendly person to like, and I do remember PJ giving me vibes whether it was true or not, which I'm pretty sure most of what he promised me happened. Um, that the, uh, that the Air Force was, or at least the Air National Guard, was going to take care of me. So, and here we are 18 years later,
0: and Boy, did they kind of deliver on that promise. Did you know that the National Guard had full-time jobs?
2: No, I really didn't. Um, To be honest, it's kind of crazy when I look back at how little I think I actually knew. And then you just like sign the dotted line. And it's not till I, you know, you have the benefit of age that you look back and you're like, I cannot believe you did that. (laughs) Like. (laughs) Um, but I actually ended up getting on with LRS as a technician fairly quickly. I mean, I enlisted in 2014. And, 2004. Uh, 2004, thank you. No 2004. And I was back by that fall, and it was probably a year and a half later that I was hired into, like, an entry-level position over there. That is... Um, yeah, and loved it,
0: made tons of friends. But
2: when you get the flying bug, like... You can't ignore it.
0: This is true. <laughs> it is, it is neat to see the fly, the planes uh just take off all the time. Mm-hmm. When you're out here full-time, and I understand uh, that we'll probably see more flights, I guess, during uh, drill weekends, too. Oh, uh, yeah, I think we're getting back
2: to flying. We, you know, with especially with this past um, deployment rotation, you know, everybody was gone, so there really wasn't quite that level. And then the last year, gearing up for some of the bigger inspections that we had, we weren't doing as much flying on UTAs. But I think now we're going to be getting back to that because, you know, everybody's out here again and— yeah, it's, it's, I'm really looking forward to that. You get to fly with people too that sometimes you don't often get to fly with because I don't know if you know this, but every time you go up, you fly with different people every time. Oh, really? yeah. And that's 906, uh, 108, you know, that's everybody. So I fly with active duty people, active duty people fly with guard people. We're very integrated over there, which is awesome. Um, but you fly with different people, but flying on drill weekend, you get to fly with people that you don't normally get to fly with a lot of times. So um, I really, I love that. It's a good, chance to catch up with everybody.
0: I think it'll be cool for people to see the planes uh, take off and just to to feel that vibe of we're in the Air Force. This is this is what's so cool about the Air Force is being able to see these planes and planes take off.
2: Yeah, and sometimes it's shocking to me. Like, I'll, I'll, you know, talk to people because I'm a chatter, obviously, but I'll go to different organizations sometimes and they don't always know a ton about the mission that we do here. Right. And so, you know, I think that that's awesome that it gives people a chance to kind of see, like, what it is that... You know, where we actually do hear what you get to support. But one thing I like to encourage people to do too is like talk to your supervisor about looking for incentive flight opportunities because mm-hmm. they're out there. Yep. It's just about talking to the right people to get that set up. And I love, love, love when we get to take people up from our own um, wing right. and get to show them, you know, what it is that we do. So I think that's, that's an awesome opportunity.
0: We're talking with uh, Master Sergeant Ashley Bradford from the 108th. Air Refueling Squadron. She's a boomer over there. You mentioned uh, your pregnancy profile. Did, did that prevent you from flying after the pregnancy? No.
2: No, it was just like a non-deployable that code that they put on, like a medical code that they put on you that keeps you keeps, I believe them from reporting you as deployable until the end of that code. It's twelve months after you give birth. So after
0: how soon after you uh, gave birth could you fly?
2: So it pretty much as soon as I got back off my maternity leave. Awesome. Yeah, I had one flight just to get recurrent with an instructor, and then I was full back up again. So I think my maternity leave. Well, my daughter. Um, I ended up taking a few extra weeks because my daughter went in the NICU when oh, okay. she was born for a little bit. And so um, by the time we got out of the NICU and the dust kind of settled and all that, um, just for my own mental health, I ended up taking an extra two or three weeks. So it was a, a busy time for us. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty immediate that I came back and got back
0: up. So How bad did you miss it? Oh, <laughs> a lot.
2: It's weird. Um, you know, being a mom sometimes is like never wanting to miss out on anything with your child, but then, you know, especially a working mom wanting to be present and be part of this awesome career that I have. So, um, in some ways, I feel like I just kind of had to shut down that side of my brain for a little bit and focus on being a mom. Like I said, she was in the NICU and we had a lot of like health stuff going on in those first few months. So sure. that was a little bit overwhelming. So coming back, it was nice to actually turn that side of my brain back on again and get back in the plane. Cause that. That's, that's fun for me, you know, so that's, that's where I have a good time.
0: Anything else you want to add? Anything?
2: Like I said, I've been part of this wing now for 18 years. I have a lot of friends here. It's been a really good career. It's weird to look back at the 18 year old, 19 year old version of myself that decided to join the military, And I feel like I had no idea because it was really going to be a one-time enlistment for me. Like I was going to get my schooling. I was going to figure out what I wanted to do with school. And I was going to get out and, you know, have my life. And then it just translated into so much more. I met my husband. He's a boom. Well, he just actually retired. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know if retired. He got out. He's been in for 12 years, but he just got out in November. So he was a boom operator as well. So I met him and... Yeah, it's, I mean, the guard has given me a lot of really, really good things.
0: Could you have dreamed of what, you know, what, what, no. you, what you started in, in your 19-year-old self? to what you are now?
2: No, I really couldn't. Cause like I said, I look back and I, I almost am like that, (laughs) that poor girl was so lost. She didn't know what the heck she was doing. But, um, I think if you just keep your eye on the prize and you work hard, that's the thing too, is working hard. You know, you really can't get anywhere in life unless there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears behind the scenes going on. So, and people having faith in you that you can, you know, I've been very blessed in my career to have a lot of leaders that help lift me up and elevate me and help make me better. So did you go to college? Did you get a degree? I don't have my degree yet, but I'm about to start school again. What are you working on? <laughs> uh, so when I actually was going to school, um, it was for history. And you know, I'll kind of tie this back too. so when I was you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life or where I wanted to go. The one thing that I always kind of had a huge passion for was teaching and Mm. more specifically history. I love history, history, history and political science. That was like, you put algebra books in front of me and no, but I loved history. But, you know, I had a friend at the time who had gone the teaching route and done all that kind of stuff and had the hardest time finding a job. The teaching market was so flooded, you know, we're talking 18 years ago too. So, Um, I just didn't know if it was something that I could really make a go of. And I think that's why I threw all my eggs into the military, but it's been such a, a really cool thing for me to bring that full circle because I'm an instructor boom operator. And so I've gotten to take in, take, um, to, Passions of mine, one of which is a very old one of teaching, and really tie that into something that I love even more, which is flying. And that's, you know, that's really the best of both worlds for me.
0: So, how much more schooling do you have?
2: I think I have probably a year and a half, two years. So we need to, especially after PME, buckle down and get her done.
0: I got to buckle down on PME. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really, there is some really good information. And it's funny because, you know, I've done other, some other courses since then. And it, it does tie back in a lot of stuff, but at the same time, it's like, Ugh, come on now. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, it's, no. it's rough. Bottom
2: line, get your PME done. That's right. And just
0: be be ready. That's uh, Master Sergeant Ashley Bradford from the 108th Air Refueling Squadron. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me today. Really appreciate it.
3: With your look around the Air Force, I'm Senior Airman Saomi Sabornin. The B-21 Raider rolled out in a formal unveiling ceremony giving the public a first look at the Air Force's new long-range strike bomber. It's a state-of-the-art aircraft that Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III says is the embodiment of America's determination to defend the Republic.
0: The B-21 Raider is the first strategic bomber in more than three decades. It is a testament to America's enduring advantages in ingenuity and innovation and it's proof of the department's long-term commitment to building advanced capabilities that will fortify America's ability to deter aggression today and into the future.
3: The Raider is still several years from being operational, but it will eventually replace the B-1 Lancer and B-2 Spirit Bombers currently in use. For the first time ever, three airmen got to fly the LIFT HEXA, an electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. The flight was part of a two-week familiarization program. The participants had prior experience with helicopters. The successful flight validated HEXA training for the uncrewed electric vehicle. The LIFT HEXA is one instance where the Air Force is leveraging civilian partnerships for future military use. The Air Force Research Laboratory launched a multi-million dollar, multi-year, multi-industry partnership to turn flowers into tires. The plan is to extract natural rubber from the crushed roots of a specific dandelion species as an alternative to relying on imported rubber from rubber trees. Industry experts say the demand for natural rubber is about 10 years away from exceeding supply, and the Air Force needs a secure supply chain of rubber, a critical material for the production of aircraft tires. The domestically sourced natural rubber supply chain is expected to increase in the next five years. And that's your look around the Air Force.
0: A reminder, connecting and engaging with your wingmen may reduce stressors that can lead to harmful thoughts and actions. And, you know, that, that may be a big problem uh, this time of year. People are stressed out, uh, maybe alone. So just reach out to, uh, to your airmen, your wingmen, and, and just say, hey, what's up, dude? Uh, since July, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline can be reached by dialing 988 You can find all of our links on Linktree, linktr.ee forward slash 126.arw. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can also download this on your favorite podcast catcher. Thanks to our guest, Master Sergeant Ashley Bradford with the 108th Air Refueling Squadron. I appreciate her coming by. If you want to pass along some information because you might have some information, email roll call, 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 1268. 126- air refueling wing podcast focused on people mission and community i'm master sergeant brian ellison 100 30
3: 20 10